Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the brand new V Auto Podcast. I'm Brian Finkelmeyer, your host, and I'm thrilled to have our very first guest on the show, Brian Benstock, General Manager and Vice President of Paragon Honda and Acura. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Brian, thank you for having me here. So for those of you that don't know Brian, his store is located in Queens, New York, and he's got a pretty impressive track record. He's the number one Acura dealer in the nation, the number one certified dealer for Honda, and the number two in overall volume. How do you guys maintain such high performance over such a long period of time? You know, I think necessity is the mother of invention. And I think being in the New York City metro markets presents a lot of difficulties and a lot of opportunities. And we uh, tend to look at things as life is happening for us, not to us. We see the opportunities and the difficulties. And you you, you really can't be off of your game in the New York market with the expense structure that we have here for too long. Uh, So it really keeps the wolves at the door. And that keeps us busy all the time. Yeah, you know, you touched on the expenses and, you know, the cover of Automotive News a couple of weeks ago talked about dealers looking to find ways to cut costs from their operation, as I think many analysts are forecasting maybe a slight downturn in the new car market here this year. My question, Brian, is from your perspective, are you guys in more of a defensive posture? Are you still thinking very offensively as you look out at at 2019? Well, I, I think you have to uh, to do both at the same time, uh, you know. And as, as difficult as that is to do, I think the you know it's like dieting and exercise, right? If you do, if you wanted to lose weight and you exercised, you, you could lose weight. Or if you dieted, you could lose weight. But if you did both, you could really have an impact. And so we we, we think that being on offense and playing better defense is certainly a great strategy. And, and what better time now as we enter into the spring months to tighten up your belt on some of the expenses as a normal wind comes at our back, and to really put yourself in that mode of uh, 2008, we are certainly taking a look at our recession strategy and seeing uh, what we can do to be prepared for any and all downturns. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, Brian, one of the big drivers of expense right now in our, our business is just the rising interest rate environment. And, you know, if you look at it, I mean, basically holding costs of inventory are up about 60% just over the last few years. How, how are you guys looking at more effectively managing your inventory? Because sure. I know you have a sizable number of new cars on the ground. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a very good point that you bring up. I think the first thing is education, and that starts from the very top on down. And, you know, if you go back 10 years ago, before the interest rates were near zero, you know, we used to have a three-year up cycle and then a one or two-year down cycle. If that's let us get a little bit sloppy. I think we're in, what did Alan Greenspan call it, a, a excessive exuberance where everyone thinks that this is normal to have a prime lending rate uh, below three three percent and i think now it's about two and a half percent for most of the past decade it's been less than that that is not normal and so we we have to be prepared for what that does to our expenses when interest rates go up one percent and you know it's shocking that many of our our, my people didn't know that your your net profit at dealership can drop by as much as 18 percent with a simple 1% increase in the prime lending rate. Yeah, I saw that. The analysis that said that a 1% increase, at least across the public companies, is like a $250,000 impact to the bottom line. question I have for you, Brian, when you guys are stocking you know, close to 1,000 cars or more, the, the expense or the cost of a bad ordering decision hurts a lot more today than it did three years ago. So what do you guys, what steps do you take to make sure that your inventory managers are doing a good job of stocking the right stuff from, from Honda and Acura? 
Well, certainly we're looking at the, the past data now. V Auto has some very good tools to help us do that. There's you can't afford to carry inventory to be a hero to the manufacturer. And I love Honda. Tight fifty day supply of Hondas and a tight fifty day supply with Acura. And I say tight, which you know fifty is not necessarily tight, but I'm telling you this is normally when we're carrying much heavier inventory in the middle of the winter. We've been really lean during these months, which as we go into spring, we're going to see those numbers drop uh, dramatically. And our, our day supply should be in the, uh, the mid to upper 40s. I think by carrying a day supply in that range can really take some of the pain away from uh, the exposure that we have to rising interest rates. So, Brian, one of the other topics I wanted to talk to you about is you've certainly been a, a trailblazer in the industry and, and really talking about the fact that the future is, is frictionless and, and trying to remove friction from the sales process and, and as well as the service process where your, your stores have done just a remarkable job. question that I have for you is, you know, oftentimes in our retail interactions, whether it's a car dealership or going to the mall, it's the people that create the friction. It, the interactions that we have with the guy at the at the Chipotle maybe doesn't go as smoothly as we'd like. question to you is, how do you balance removing friction from both your sales and service process, but still having people play a key role in that process? Well, any, anywhere and everywhere that you can eliminate friction, you have to eliminate it. I don't you know, ever see us not having a retail store. I think you know, that's proven to be a successful model, but take a look at Amazon. They, they, uh, they're now opening up bookstores. They're only stocking the very most popular books. And how are they determining that? Well, they've got the data. So, you know, and, and so I, I think that's critically important for us to take lessons from these major disruptors. The model of not having retail stores does not work, but when you do have a retail store as we do, you have to stock the right products at the right time for the right market for the right customer. And that may vary from location to location. And I think there's enough data out there that we can start making better decisions. And as you have less people, you've got to be very, very cautious with whom you have on your staff. We no longer need great negotiators in, in the dealerships as we're moving to centralized or single pricing business models. We need people that are, that are nice. The quality of niceness can't be overlooked. And, and a real simple litmus test for that is, would you let this man or woman babysit your children? And, and, and if the answer is no, then you probably don't want that person serving your customers either. So, you know, there's going to be, there's, there are going to be less people required to sell more and more cars, but there's going to be increased importance on those people that are remaining to to uh, service and sell our customers. Yeah, so can you talk a little bit, Brian, about how, you know, digital retailing, and I know you've begun working on, you know, creating mechanisms for your customers to buy, you know, really from the comfort of their home. Can you talk a little bit about some of your early successes or trials you've had in rolling out this whole concept of trying to put more of the sales process into the hands of the consumer? Well, we, we started out with service, you know, and I think everyone was looking at us for, to take the lead in sales, and um, we, we sort of went in the back door. We wanted to have what would be called the LCD, or the lowest common denominator, the broadest base possible, and that would be for us the service department. Take a look at uh, Facebook. What did they do? They gave away their services to increase the size of their platform. They didn't try and monetize it until that platform was a monster. And then small monetization from each participant enables them to generate you know, tons of revenue. So we took a page out of that book and said, let's fix the service process and see, ask ourselves some fundamental questions. What role does a customer play in servicing their car at the dealership? 
Um, and we came to the conclusion the customer is not necessary. That they don't need to be at the dealership for servicing the car. And in fact, some of the data that we got from our mutual friend Dale Pollock many years ago, I disputed it until I now became an advocate of it. The customers are not using the cars 94 or 5 or 6% of the time. And when I look at that, you know, why not make better use of the customer's time? If they're not using the car 94% of the time, wouldn't that be a great time to do the service and not inconvenience the customers? So we've been able to now construct an entire service platform where a customer can service the car at the dealership without ever coming to the dealership. We'll pick up the car right in the driveway, service the car, and put it back in the driveway. You know, and, and under some circumstances, we're doing it overnight. Clearly, a customer, if they're sleeping, doesn't need their car, so we can pick up the car after they're done using it, service it overnight because we're open 24 hours, and put it back in the driveway before they need it the next morning. The entire transaction takes place on their phone. They approve the transaction. They can see the parts that were replaced and sign off on it right on their smartphone. And, and we think it's a, a pretty frictionless um, transaction. To, to make it completely frictionless, we've also worked with Google to create uh, and to take advantage of their voice platform where a customer can just talk to their smartphone or their Google Home device and order the service 100% without ever touching the phone and having the car again picked up, serviced, and brought back to them. And, and we, we think this has been a very good cutting-edge way to get customers to actually find no friction in their servicing. And you know, we're going after not the other Honda or Acura dealers. We think this is a great way for us to compete with the, the independents head-on. And you know, if you look at the service business, it's a $480 billion business. Dealers only get typically about 20% of that business. We think that's a tremendous financial opportunity for us to go after a million-dollar resource that we're currently not tapping into. You know, sometimes we dealers, we go after business from our neighbors or we go, from, uh, go after business from other markets from our same brand. You know, and, and when we take a look, the true competitors are not necessarily the other Honda or Acura dealers in our market, but, but uh, the, the independents. In our five boroughs of Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, Staten Island, there are 17,000 independent shops, 17,000. So why would I ever focus on the other brothers and sisters that own Honda dealerships in the market? And why not go after the bigger piece that independent customers are defecting to us to do independence? And so once we've got this figured out, then we think it's only natural for us to continue the path that we're going on now, which would be to offer uh, test drives for customers. If they want to test drive a car, we'll bring a car to their house to test drive, a car, several cars, whatever they would like, so they can complete the entire transaction without coming to the dealership, if that's what they prefer. That, it is remarkable, Brian. I got to tell you, I recall the first day that I met you, you, you commented to me, would Jeff Bezos make a customer come and wait for two hours <laughs> yeah. in a service waiting lounge and eating a stale donut and bad coffee? So you certainly uh, have have figured a way around that problem. Hey, so changing gears, Brian, just one last topic that I wanted to delve into a little bit with you is increasingly dealers are moving more and more of their advertising budgets towards digital. I think NADA reported last year for the first time we're now up over 50% of digital ad budgets, uh, our marketing budgets moving to digital. And the forecast is obviously to see continued migration from conventional to digital. But as a friend of mine in the business uh, told me recently, he said, Brian, you got to be careful. There's a lot of people out there selling fake Louis Vuittons. Last question to you, Brian, is how do you determine which of your digital ad partners is worth their salt? 
you know, I, I uh, simplify. I think there are two players in the digital space, only two, Google and Facebook, period. And now Google, of course, has uh, the YouTube platform and, and AdWords, and Facebook, of course, has uh, Instagram and uh, Instagram stories. Uh, but that, that's really it. And if you can master those two monsters, everything else is secondary. And, and I do think that's a great analogy that there are a lot of people selling fake Louis Vuitton bags. I think that's, that's fantastic. In fact, I'm going to keep that. There's a lot of truth to that. And, but, but you've got to go where the biggest bandwidth is. And, you know, I, I, you'd be hard-pressed to find a platform as robust as Google and or uh, Facebook. Facebook's become a, a, a media company. And, you know, a lot of, there's been some negative press about Facebook now and that people are angry. You know, I, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that actually gave up their account. And, in fact, when people want to complain about Facebook, where do they go to complain about Facebook? They go on Facebook. So, so the, you know, the, the stock book price is right back where it was. And, you know, I'm sure they'll work through their difficulties. But the, the Instagram platform now is accounting for 38% of the new revenue there and, and it's you know instagram is only going to continue to grow in relevance uh these are the free times we're going to look at advertising on facebook and instagram right now it's a time when it was free and it's not free but it's nearly free uh you get incredible attribution you can see instantly if your offering is working or not working uh, and uh, you can spend your money judiciously you can target very specific customers so i i think they've done a lot of the work for us and, and you're in no danger of reinventing the internet. So why not play with the biggest players? So I think what I'm hearing you say in there, Brian, is to do less and obsess and focus on those two key digital marketing players and, and the rest is all secondary. I, th- I think if you can master those two, uh, you, you won't need to spend any money anywhere else in, in terms of marketing. Well, Brian, we're kind of coming up on the, the end of this, and I did want to ask you one last question before I let you go. I know you're an avid and competitive uh, runner, and so my last question for you is, what's tougher, running the New York City Marathon or selling 10,000 Hondas in, in New York City? Wow. Well, you know, they, they both can be just as difficult as you make them. You know, you can run a marathon, and depending on the time, it can be easier or difficult. Uh, I'd say both are absolutely miserable and difficult, <laughs> and I love them both. I mean, you know, if you run a marathon, if you run a marathon at the end and you've got any gas in the tank, you, you're frustrated because you knew you, you left some out there. And, you know, for me, 10,000 cars at the end of the year, I'm frustrated because I knew there's more there. So, you know, I, I think they're wonderfully cha- uh, challenging, and I think they're very analogous to one another, Brian. Uh, they're, they're both... They'll both teach you, business will teach you how to use limited resources over a protracted period of time. That's certainly marathon running, and it's certainly running an automobile business. Well, Brian, thank you so much for taking time to uh, to join us here on the very first V-Auto podcast, and it's just always such a pleasure to talk with you and, and to hear your insights on, on how we can move this industry forward. So thanks for your time, and hopefully you'll come back and be a guest on the show sometime again. I'm humbled to be on the show, Brian. Thank you for asking me, and uh, uh, I'm sure the uh, series is going to be super successful. All right. Have a good rest of your day. Take care. Go sell some Hondas. 